All right, so today we want to uh, talk a little bit more about React Server Components. We had a fun episode a few weeks ago and um, got a, lo a lot of good feedback on it. So that was that was fun, it was, it was beneficial for us and um, we're glad that a lot of the stuff we said resonated with people. Um, it's always good to talk it out, you know, helps clarify when you put it into words. Um, we wanted to, I wanna address one thing from that episode and then we want to talk about something else that kind of came out of that discussion, which relates to props, passing props to client components from server components. So um, the one thing I wanted, it basically kind of a, more of a correction or just a refine, a better understanding. In that episode, we talked about the render of a server component tree and how rendering in React is an abstract concept and the, it can be confusing because you think, oh, I'm rendering this JSX file on the server. It's going to give me HTML that shows up in the browser, right? Because that's kind of what happens when you make an app and then you load it for the first time. But as we talked about, rendering really just means turning that server component tree into a client tree. So the output of, of a render pass on a server component tree, which is the first render pass that happens when you when you are running a server component application is a client tree. And then what you do with that client tree um, depends. And you can either server-side render that client tree into HTML, which is the way that a lot of frameworks have worked before server components, or you can render it into children, basically. Basically, JSX uh, uh, was called a... Um, RSC payload, which is effectively the output of render in a JSON format. And that payload, that RSC payload is sent to the browser. And it's something that you can pass to react.render on the client. And so you can think about when you set state on the client, React re-renders your app with the new state and then it reconciles, performs a diff, and then commits the diff to the screen. Now, with RSC, you can do a render pass, get the client tree, and then serialize that, because now you have a client tree, but it's on the server, so you have to get it to the client somehow, right? And that's where this RSC payload format comes in. It's just JSON, it's a serialized tree, and then it's sent over the network, and then it's uh, deserialized and then reacts on the client, renders it. So client trees can be server-side rendered or they can be serialized into an RSC payload. Now, what, what's, what, what the, thing, the thing that's different about a client tree on the server that's turned into the payload versus one that would be on the client already is that anywhere that there is a reference to a client component the server doesn't have access to those. And so it's basically holes. They, they're, they're references to those components. And once that gets payload gets sent and deserialized by the client, those holes, those references, can be pointers to the actual component code that is loaded in the JavaScript bundle on the client. And now when React renders it and does the diff, it can actually execute those components on the client. And that is exactly how it works so that you can get a new render from the server that maintains client-side state. So we had said something like, 
you know, the render output of RSC is like client code. It's a client bundle and it's like sent to the front. That was incorrect. It was, we were being hand wavy. The main point we were trying to make is that render, the result of render is like a client tree, which can be thought of as a program, which is still true. It's, it's like a frame of your program, but it's, it's a set of instructions exactly, exactly. for the client exactly. program. And so once that payload gets sent over, the client app that's running deserializes it and now it has a set of instructions for which components to run with which props to get the new tree to diff and then commit to the screen yeah and the the, the amazing thing here is like you can you see the importance of a bundler because a bundler is gonna bundle up all those client components and get them into the browser to the client so that those instructions are actually executable because if you just sent over the instructions uh like you said there would just be holes for the references to client components. So you also have to send over the client components. It's kind of interesting, just, just real quick, that when I think of RSC, I think of it kind of at a higher level. I think of it as both the bundle as well as the instructions because uh, on their own, the instructions are basically useless, right? Like I can't yes. do anything with it without the bundle. So um, one of the things that came out of this, it, it just, it struck me that everyone kind of talks at a different level of abstraction, right? Like some people just mm -hmm. talk about RSC as the instructions. We were kind of talking about it as rolling them up. Code both bundle. In, right. Both into one and not understanding that they're like two separate pieces that come together. But yeah. Right. Anyway. Yep. Yep. And that also speaks to why, you know, I, I think the end game here is is for developers not to have to think about it. They, the use client directive is what a an app developer would use when they want to use client-side features like state and effects. But it is maybe not the intention or maybe won't be the end game that app developers don't or should not have to think about bundles at all because a lot of what sometimes is required by an app developer is to trim down a bundle for performance reasons, because they don't want to ship an admin area to a, a homepage marketing site, because they would rather do some heavy IO work or processing work on the server. And so this is also something that came up as a result of some of the conversation around our last podcast episode, which is like, why isn't it called use browser, like use browser component or um, use interactive, use interactive component, something like that. Why is that use client directive not called that? Well, it's because it does mark the beginning of the split point where the client bundle starts. So, and, and maybe that is something, at least at this stage in the game, something good for the app developer to be aware of. You add use client, that's the start of where the code that's gonna be shipped to the browser begins. When you build the app, you now have these different bundles statically built and route split in frameworks like Next. And when you first make the request and you get the HTML from the server-side rendered client tree initially, you also get the JavaScripts, the script tags for the client code that is needed to render any version of that page for any state of any, any configuration of, the, of any of the client components that are imported. And so on that first request, you get the initial HTML, but you also get all of those live component, the component code, the definitions for anything that that might be needed once you start updating things and once the user starts interacting with it. So those components lit are loaded in once in the client. 
and they're loaded in a JavaScript memory and parsed or whatever. And then when you start doing things that cause the server component tree to re-render, send up the payload, the set of instructions, now the client can just execute those instructions because it has already loaded the code. But like you said, this is why it's called use client. And this is why the bundler is integrated so tightly into the React server component architecture because it's all, it's all related concerns, right? P part of the power of the RSC architecture is being able to keep a markdown parser on the server if you need it or moving it to the client if you need it. And that's the kind of something you, you think about. You know, mm -hmm. and so that's that's how you should think about use client, and um, it also explains why client components can't import server components because if use client is the beginning of a client bundle, it's going to be code that's shipped to the browser. Then that's you you then you you're shipping code that should only ever run the server. It's impossible. Whereas client components can render server components as children since the first pass gets rid of the server component on on the server and then it sends up just jsx elements and references to client components in that payload so just, that just, kind of like yeah. tied it all together for me just to build that. on what you just said client components can render server components as children from a server component yes ultimately exactly. that all is imported yes. by a server component yes yeah. exactly yep the basically the the client tree whether it's being server-side rendered for the first time or even at runtime, but let's server-side rendered, or if it's being rendered on the client, there's no knowledge of any server component anywhere. That, that from that perspective of client React, again, whether it's being server-side rendered in Node or rendered in the browser, they have no knowledge of server components. It's gone at that point. So it's kind of shielded from that part of it. Um, yeah. yeah, and so, I, I would say yeah. if this if this conversation, if you want to hear like more about this, I would say listen to last week's the last episode because yep. we go talk through all this. So, yep, um, awesome. Okay, so after last week's episode, and we kind of were talking about some more of this stuff, we were working. I think we were working on a demo or an app or your course. Oh, we were working. Yeah, your course. the course. Yep. Yep, and um, we were working on passing query params, an instance of the URL search params object from the browser uh, and node from a server component into your client side search component. And uh, we noticed something interesting, which is that TypeScript, the types from TypeScript were telling us strange things that we didn't understand. And uh, wait, let me, let me set that. Let me set You want to set it up? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in, in, in the course, we are just managing query params by like writing template strings and doing kind of a, a mess with ternary operators. And so we go ahead and in the latest video, we clean that up and we use a URL search params object uh, from JavaScript, which is awesome. It just lets you build out query strings and it takes care of all like the encoding and the uh, concatenation of them. And we first use it, we first build out a URL search params object and a server component and we start passing it into other server server components. And so it's everything in the same file. You can type URL search params. It's like an interface in TypeScript. So uh, we just have the type for a prop as URL search params, and we're able to just pass this through a bunch of components. Uh, everything works as you would expect. And then we make a client component. And inside the client component, we say that this thing also takes URL search params. We want to 
pass those search params we created on the server uh, into a client component and have the client component clone them and modify them. Uh, and from TypeScript's point of view, this is totally fine because the server component is executing a client component, but TypeScript doesn't know that there's like a server component, a client component, it just knows that like you're writing a React program and it's referencing a component. And as long as the props that you're passing in match the props that you say that component takes, then TypeScript is perfectly happy. Because TypeScript has no idea that like there's these are going over the network or these are two different runtimes, one's on the server, one's on the browser. Uh, so from the TypeScript point of view, our code is all green, VS code is all green. And then we start working in the client component. And um, there's a few things that work, but I think we, we hit something where we think we're working with an object and instead we're working with an array. Right. And we go so, ahead and we start console logging the props. So it's like, the, we're like, this is odd, let's console log the props. And we notice that that URL search param object that we took from the server and passed into the client component, it's not a URL search params object. It was a, it was a serialized arrays. URL search params object which is an array of arrays. If you do like, um, if you do array dot from search params object dot entries, something like that, you get URL search params will deser will serialize into uh, an array of tuples, a list of tuples. So it's like, it's an array and the inner arrays are always have two items where the first item is the query param and the second item is the, the query param value. And that was really odd because like here we've got a thing that like TypeScript says that you have an object and it's going from one component to another and it's good. And then when we start working with it, it's, uh, it's actually not an object that's going through the serialization process. Uh, and this is like, this was really confusing for me because like over the past like year, two years, man, when your TypeScript type checks, you're, you're done. Like yeah. you, you've, you've, you're like, you You just, if you have bugs, they're like small bugs you have to fix, but your major refactoring is done once your TypeScript, uh, your VS code is green with TypeScript. So. Yep, definitely. So, um, yeah, this, it, it took us a while to really understand, you know, what was happening. Uh, at least it did for me. Um, and so what's happening is, again, in light of the conversation we just had in last week's discussion, when you render a client component from a server component, um, let's just say you're rendering a, a client component with no props. Like we said, they're in, in the payload that gets serialized and then sent across the network, there's holes. There's, in the hole is a reference that says, right here, you need to render search input. And then when that payload gets to the client, client says, oh, I know where search input is. I'm gonna go get that module, that component definition. I'm gonna execute it. And then now I have the resulting JSX and I can commit that. What if you pass props? If you pass props, the serialized payload, the, the RSC payload includes a reference to the, that hole, includes a reference to the component and includes the props. And so that's how you can pass props from the server to the client via a component props. And that payload has both of those things. But because there's a network involved, the props have to be serializable, right? So if you pass like, um, you know, enabled equals true, then that hole in the RSC payload would have reference to search input and then it would say, oh, the first prop called enabled is true. Boom, you can see how that would work very easily. Um, 
if you have JSON, if you have any primitive, anything that can be serialized and deserialized in the same form, a primitive object, then going over the wire basically doesn't do anything. It's like a no-op. And so typing the prop on the passing side and on the receiving side, the definition side, is actually kosher. Even though there is a network boundary there, um, that is like, it was actually still kind of a lie, but it's more kosher. It's, it's, uh, it's the same. I mean, it is the same object. I'm passing a string it's, and it's I'm the same a string. I don't yes, but, care that it goes over the yeah, network. I don't right, need to know right. that it goes over the you network. You don't need to know. Yeah. So yes. Um, now, uh, what happens if you pass something that can't be serialized? So like a function. And it turns out if you do that, if you try to pass something that can't be serialized, like a function or a rich object, sometimes Next will tell you and React will tell you, it will say you're trying to pass a non-primitive object from a server component to a client component, but you can't do that. Let, and let's, then you, let's go through each of the cases because they're actually super interesting. In, in, so let's start with function. Function's a really good mm -hmm. one. Like you, you write mm -hmm. a function on the server uh, just some function that does like console.log foo. And you've, you've written that in a server component and you, you take it and you pass it down into a client component. Uh, and now like there's a question where, how did, how did you, what did you actually mean when you were passing that function from the server to the client? Did you want that function to execute on that client or did you want that function to be like a server function that the client can invoke? And so React, React is going to throw an error here and say, listen, you can't pass a function over the network. But if you were trying to pass uh, a, a reference so that the client could then invoke this function, this is, a, this is a server action. And you need to mark this function as use server. And so, here, well said. And so here, if you do that, uh, you mark the function as use server, you can now pass it into the client. And it's not a function. Uh, it's not a function in the sense that it's a function that's going to run on the client runtime. It's basically a pointer to a function on the server, so that at any point your client component can uh, can run the um, can run the server action, can run the function, and if it has something like console.log in it, it will execute on the server. It will show up in your your server terminal, not your browser console. And so you can kind of see like, oh yeah, as you're passing things over the wire, you do need to kind of mark. Based off what you're passing, you do want to have to mark um, some more information about it. And in terms of functions, it's going to be where I want this function to execute. Now, what if you wanted to write a function on the server but have it execute on the client? You can't do that. Uh, you can't do that because what if you like you closed over something on the server? Like, how does that? Yeah, it's just it's like a can of worms. I think. Yeah, um, you can think you can think pretty easily about cases w why a function is not serializable in the same way a yes. JavaScript object, a plain JavaScript object, is. And it's like you said, it could reference uh, of of changing variable. You know, it could close over some variable in the server, and you change that variable. What does it mean for the client to run that? It's um, functions can't be serialized in that way. They 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 have context around them. They're they're def when they are defined due to closures, they can, yeah. Right. Um, so um, that's why functions aren't serializable. And like you said, the server action is kind of a different beast, um, but it's really cool. And that's, that was a great explanation of that as well. And then you have rich objects. Usually when people say rich objects, as opposed to primitive, you know, make a primitive object in JavaScript with squiggly brackets. 
Um, and it's just something that can be serialized. Rich object would be something like URL search params where you yeah. new it up, you know, or you start messing with the prototype of something. You can see again how a rich object that has methods that themselves are functions that could point to other variables in scope in the current server environment can't be serialized. So um, rich objects can also not be passed as props. And so th this is this is an interesting case because this was a rich object. And it turns out in some versions of Next or React, they would have warned us, so we would have caught it. But um, in this particular case, it didn't. It went ahead and did it its best to serialize it. I guess one way to say rich objects can't be serialized. That's one way to say it. Another way to say it is that rich objects sometimes can have a form where they're serialized and they only are serialized to a, a plain JavaScript object that contains like the most relevant information. So you could imagine URL search params being something you can send over the wire. Maybe you two string it and then you parse it on the client, something like that. But there's still that process going along. And as you can imagine with all sorts of objects coming from all sorts of libraries and, and browser APIs, that's not something that can just happen uh, yeah. automatically. Let's, right? let's, let's, uh, let's dive into that. So when we ran into this, I started throwing debuggers in uh, React and looking through this. And React does, there's a few type of objects that React says, these are common enough and I know how to serialize them and deserialize them. So things like sets and maps, you can pass from server components. They're gonna be turned into you know, let's just say some some JSON representation of that object gets passed to the client component and the client component is gonna rebuild it as a set. So from your point of view as a developer, you have a set that's one, two, three on the server, you pass it into a client component, you end up with a set that's one, two, three on the client. F from your point of view, those are the same thing. It's just a set with one, two, three. Uh, but under the hood, it is deserializing, sorry, it is serializing passing data over the network and then materializing it into into a set. So it's kind of date objects as well, right? Date, yeah, that's a great one. Date date set and map. So it's interesting that like you could think like oh yeah, objects just work, right? Like I don't even think twice about it. They just work like and then you hit this you hit some class of object. Like you said, there's just so many libraries out there. React right. can't support code for how to serialize everything. Also, some things just just naturally aren't serializable. Right. So right. Yep. Cool. I think there's something called Super JSON, which is like a spec being worked on, which includes at the spec level instructions for things like sets, maps, and dates. So that would be something that React or Next or whatever wouldn't have to take ownership of. Cool. And again, like you said, right now, they're just doing it for these things for convenience and pragmatism. And that's nice. And as long as you get feedback, that's totally fine, you know, with me too, where I'm passing like a user model from some ORM and it's like, I can't do that. But if I pass a date, I get a date object, I can do that. So that's cool. So that's kind of like the problem space. And that's what's happening behind the hood. When you pass an object, when you pass a prop from a server component into a client component, the prop itself, uh, as well as a reference, along with the reference to the client component code, is, gets sent, is, get, is sent across the network. So this is kind of where the conversation came to about the TypeScript problem. So uh, whatever was happening, whatever versions of the libraries we were using, the URL search params was automatically being turned into um, 
into this array of arrays, which actually is a format that the constructor accepts. So then we were like, okay, uh, maybe we type this. If you console log it, it's an array of arrays. And if I'm working on my client component, I want to know that this prop is an array of arrays. So I don't try to do something like current params dot delete page. You know what I mean? That's why we love TypeScript. Exactly. Exactly. Autocomplete, correct autocomplete, not a lie. So then we were like, well, if I define the prop on the component definition side, the implementation as an array of arrays, then that's accurate. But then you go back to the server component and TypeScript says, well, current params is supposed to be an array of arrays. You're passing in an instance of URL search params. So that made us realize that these two things are actually different environments. And if they happen to be serializable and deserializable in the in like a specific way in, in a way that preserves basically their identity for all the purposes that are relevant it kind of works but a lot of times it's not going to let's say and maybe you need that type for the definition or for somewhere else so the real true like for a true experience where the types are correct and reflect the reality these two things are not the same as passing a prop into another server component. And so we are talking about something like a serialized helper, because when you pass in URL search params as a prop, you're not actually doing that. There's a step where React serializes it. And so the type is actually the serialized version of that. And so you can imagine from the server component when you're rendering the client search, and you pass in params, you would pass in not current params, but you would pass in serialize function invoke current params. The serialize function would turn it into the array of arrays. And then on the definition side, you would say it takes in the serialize from, you know, there's there could be a type that's serialized from, you pass it in URL search params, and now you know it's an array of arrays. That is actually what's happening and, and that reflects the reality and all the types are gonna be correct. The calling side is gonna be able to do that because it's expecting that. And then on the definition side, you know you're working with an array of arrays. And that led us to think like, maybe that should be the case for all server components that render client components. It's nice that you can just pass props in and I guess if they're primitives, it doesn't make a difference, but people are gonna be passing in queries from Prisma, for example. When you fetch data from Prisma, it actually works out pretty great. But again, the the I actually don't know what it would be like to pass in. If you pass in a list of users from a Prisma query and you hover over the type, is that just JSON data in the server component? No, it's more than that, right? It's like a result. Yeah, I the the type. Yes, the type is going to be different. It's going to be like a a user from Prisma, but yeah, it is JSON. It is like. It is serializable it's as JSON. JSON. Yes. I think the interesting thing is it's not actually like, true that it's the same type. And so you go, if you were to say it's an array of users, it's it's a different type. It's a serialized version of that. Right. You you create some like rich user that has it has a first name, it has a last mm -hmm. name, and that has a full name function or full name getter. And I think that's where you run into problems. Where you can get you pass trouble. that in. Maybe it's serialized to JSON, and then on the, on the client side, you say this is an object with a first name and a last name, um, and uh, maybe it doesn't have full name method. It's it's just the data or whatever because you don't serialize that method. 
And then again, you run into one or two problems. The type definition on the implementation side of the client component is wrong or it's right, but then you get a type error on the calling side because you're not passing in the serialized version. So I, I think I think just to go back to something you said that I think is really important because like when we write server components and client components, we, we don't really want to think about the network, right? We we it's nice that I can render a component from I can render a client component from a server component and I can pass something like name equals Sam into that mm -hmm. component and I never yep. have to think that like there's a bundle step and there's a network and there's a there's two render passes. I never think about that. To me, it's just regular old React passing props to components. But when you get to these higher level components with richer objects, which like, let's face it, every big app we work on always has, uh, now you have to take this on. And so the, the point you brought up about uh, you need to take on the responsibility of serialization, I think is a really important point because it does two things. One is it First, it makes TypeScript happy, which you want to do because going back to when TypeScript is happy, you know your code. I, I stopped. I, I, we've we've actually stopped using that phrase in in our videos because that makes it sound like you're just like doing extra work to appease the TypeScript gods, right? Okay. It's what? not that you're making TypeScript happy. It's that you are describing the the actual the reality, so so you don't run into a bug in the way we did. Right, it's mm -hmm. it's that you know you're working with an array of rays instead of an instance <laughs> of URL search params. So it's it's that you are you you are using accurate types yeah. that reflect the reality of your program. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And the, but the reason that's so important is because when you hit that point, when you when the the compiler is green and there's no errors, like seriously, you know you're done yes. with your work. Like it's all yes. Like it's just a little cleanup maybe you have to do, but the the majority of your work is done. And yes. so it's it's really important to have that that feedback. Definitely. And then the second point, hey, but that is, feedback only works if the types are are accurate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, Which and is desirable. The, so yeah. And the mm -hmm. and the second point is, you, this is such a tricky thing, but you acknowledge, you're, you're actually acknowledging that there is a network and this thing is not the exact same object in your server component because it's. In one instance, it's running on your your server computer, and the other instance, it's running on your client computer. And there's no way those two things can share memory, um, right? So you're you're not like you're acknowledging the truth of the situation. I guess you're acknowledging what's reality, what's actually happening. Now there there's like there's tension here because for objects like strings or or maps or sets or dates, it really doesn't matter, right? It really it can doesn't. be abstracted away without leaking. Yeah, but. So there's always that, like, you always want to look at an object and be like, oh, can I just not have to think about serialization? I just say this thing, the server fetches users and the client component takes users. And yeah, for Prisma, like, it actually works. Like, you don't have to worry about it. Now, maybe if you're using things like extend in Prisma and you're modifying those user objects, maybe you'd get, get into trouble then. Uh, but just like out of the box, it just works. So you don't want to think about this. But there are times like we ran into it with the URL search params where it's like you want it, you want to know about it, you want the developer to, you want every developer on your team to be aware that there is a serialization thing. It just makes this so much easier that you're acknowledging that you are getting a serialized object. So therefore, you have to like serialize it on the server. Right. So. Yep. I, I think um, I think it's fine for the tools to add pragmatic defaults around primitives and places where you don't have to think about it. A lot of props are primitives, and so that's nice. But I think it relates to our earlier discussion about use client, right? Is use client 
something and the bundle and the the way that RSC payload is serialized is that something app developers need to know about and a lot of time and sometimes it is it is a it is often enough that it can't be abstracted and shouldn't be abstracted away completely part of the reason again for the name for use client is so that you are mentally noting as an app developer this is where my client bundle is starting so maybe i could if i need if i get reports that we need to fix the performance or reduce the payload part of that would be moving a markdown renderer above the use client um, directive the entry point this is kind of the same thing right you have cases like you're saying where you have rich objects that couldn't be serialized or you're fetching all the users and all including all of their talks and their you know comments and their blog posts because you're doing some work on the server that requires the whole graph and then you want to pass those into a client mm-hmm. component, but now you've loaded this huge graph of data, which is fine on the server, but um, you want to trim it down. And if you just pass it in and it just works, um, that could be fine. But if you ha- if you were required to use like an S function, a serialized function, maybe you say, okay, now what's the type of the, the type of this? You go to define the type in the client user list and you say serialize from this query and you're like, wait, I don't need all this stuff. Actually, I just need, you know, the user's first name, last name and email. Um, that's the kind of thing that app- application developers do encounter as they're building applications. Yep. And so they do need to be aware of this, you know, absolutely. And so um, that's a great point. That, that's a great point, by the way. Serial, it's not just about the richness of the data structure. It's about what what you're That's a really I never I didn't think about that. Yep. And that's why it also is like you don't, there's that, the network is the abstraction layer. You're passing the data across. Like you said, you're not sharing memory, so it's different, but it's also different for other reasons that may be important, like the size of the payload. And that's also why you don't want your client components to really have their type, like their their props are not like using a user type from Prisma because there's that whole layer happening in between. It's really derived from the query and then ultimately what gets serialized as the prop before it's passed in. So I think there's room for some helpers there that could make that sort of thing easier. And and also there's times where you define like other intermediate components or children components that you use in your client side bundle that need to work with that data that's passed in from the server and you want to know what that is so that you know what you're passing in. And again, you can't just say this is a Prisma user because it's not. It's a serialized version of whatever you, your, your React component does. So this whole exploration caused us to take a look at Remix to see what they do. And they actually have this where this idea came from or the, the name serialized from. They basically have the same problem because they are running a loader in Node and returning props. And then they're defining a page component that ex- that gets the props from use loader data, their use loader data hook. And in Remix, they're two different functions. And the use loader data is actually a great abstraction because it helps you understand that the props that are returned from this function aren't actually just appearing right here. These are running in different places and how do I use the loader? Da- How am I using the loader data? Well, it's getting serialized and sent across the wire. So um, that's kind of interesting. And it's kind of, you know, top of mind when you're building a page that has a loader in Remix. When you use loader data, it takes a generic and you pass in the type of the, the load, you pass in your loader definition. And TypeScript, 
can infer the return type of your loader just by what you return. And then Remix can tell you what the serialized version of that is. And so with use loader data, you just pass in type of loader. It, it could also be like anything else that you call, right, for that. But the result of use loader data is like undefined, like the network didn't work or we had a 500 or it's like a union and it's like undefined or it's, you know, just the first name and last name as JavaScript objects and not a full name method, even though your Prisma thing in the loader has a full name method. So that's nice. The type in the return value of loader you hover over it is not the same as the type of the data that you get from use loader data. And it shouldn't be because it's been serialized and deserialized. That's awesome. That's awesome. Also, it, dude, really good that you're not just passing props. You're going through a hook because that yeah. when you pass props, you think oh, I'm just passing props. But the it's hook, different, though. the hook, yeah, really good. Uh, what but, happens? Yeah. What happens if you pass you, you return URL search params from good a, question a loader in okay in remixing? Well, you so this is the cool thing. I'm going to pull it up right now. So. I also run into this with my remix apps where you um, you are you have the loader data and it's typed so you know what data the component's working with and then you pass part of it down into like a, a, a some child component and the child component needs to say oh I, I take in a user I'm like a user card what is a user again you, it's not a Prisma user and it's not one of the arrays of users that the loader returned it's one of the arrays of that loader data, but sometimes you don't have access to that. How would you share the type of that? They actually have a serialized from meth, uh, type that is, takes, takes in a generic. I realized earlier I said is a generic and Matt Pocock pointed out in one of his articles recently that things aren't generic. Um, they take generic arguments. So it takes a generic type. It takes a type, it takes a type argument. Um, and, the type argument is again the type of loader and so you know what the serialized version is basically you could do something like serialized from bracket url search params and now this client component the search input that you could use on multiple places you know it has to take in a serialized version of url search params whatever that is and so the serialized from helper is really really nice because whoever is responsible for serializing the return value of your loader or in the case of next Next and, Remac, Re, Re, Next and React are responsible for serializing whatever rich prop you pass in. You don't know that. You don't own that. So you should have a helper that tells you what that is. And that way your types are accurate and everything works. Ah, you, so, need that. you need the helper because in our case, our URL search params was ending up as an array of arrays. But that wasn't, we weren't doing that. That was something exactly. else. So they could change it to be like some uh, serializable URL search params that's now like an object that has key value query params or something like that. And exactly. that could change under the hood. So we need, if they're serializing, they need to provide the type to us. Exactly. Um, serialize from is, let me see here. Well, I, okay, I have a question. Just, mm -hmm. okay, take what I just said and then give give the problem, given the problems that we ran into when we were doing this, does it make more sense or would you in the future, like when you run into these things, would you take on the ownership of doing the serialization and writing the serialization type helper or just like, let's just start really simple. You're just writing the serialization types yourself. Right. Would yeah, you do, I would think you do that's, that? I think 
Well, yeah, I think I think that's goes back to our conversation is if you're passing a result from Prisma, let's say, and Prisma's automatically, maybe they've defined a two JSON method, and maybe that's all that Next and React are doing. They're just calling JSON.stringify. If an object that you call that on has a two JSON method, it's going to find all that data. In that case, Prisma should d give you something. Um, or I guess you could just type of like JSON stringify of this object, and maybe that would just flow through. You should be able to just grab that from that thing. I think serialized from should come from the framework if they're the ones doing the serialization. And I think they should be able to write it in a way that works on like third-party code, like a Prisma query, because it's there somehow. Like if you, whatever they're doing, if they do it to the type that's coming from the third-party, the argument, right? Then then you should, be able to, you should be able to author that serialized from type as a generic or whatever. Yeah, I and guess. Was this in a way like kind of what like infer get static props did? Well, not exactly, really, but it, it, no, it, it, no, exactly, exactly, no, that hundred percent infer get static props is exactly the same thing as use loader data's the generic type because it's saying that's contained in infer st get static props or get server set props is the knowledge of how it's how the argument is being how the return is being serialized before it's being passed as props to the component. So yes, exactly. It's infer static props. It's infer get server-side props, infer get static props. That's 100% okay. correct. Well, 99.9% .9 until someone <laughs> corrects me. But no, that, that is the point. The point is that the, the, the reason you type, you have to type the page component, even though you have get server-side props right there, is because the return type of get server-side props is not what ends up in the page component. The page component is running on the browser, server-side props are running on server, so there's a serialization in between. That's what infer gets that server side props is doing. I don't know if they can, I, I get what you're saying. I don't know if they can, I don't know if infer automatically is like I'm serializing, therefore I'm changing data. So therefore I'm changing the type. I think they might just, it might be simpler than that. It might just be like, I'm taking what you return. You return an object that has props and you pass that to the page component, and they might just say, "Hey, whatever your pro whatever your props are, these are what I'm giving you here." Mm, and I'm also so maybe adding, they just pull it off of that. But maybe they do something like the date serialization. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. It's a yeah, good question. I'm like, not sure. Can, can you generically? Uh, can you write a can a framework provide a type helper that's going to define how it serializes everything? Like. Third-party library. Third-party library ships with a two JSON method. Framework calls two JSON on all its objects. Can someone else come along, knowing no knowledge about what I just said, just those two things, and automatically define a type? I don't. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Anyway, we're um, getting, we're getting into the the weeds. Here. We are. I, think, I know I we're think, like programming think... via microphone right now. <laughs> I I was just trying to define a type serialized from and passing in URL search params, and I couldn't really um see anything inside of it so i'm not sure if i'm just doing it wrong but um you would do something like in typescript you would do like if 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 the generic extends url search params then this is a type else if it extends you know map then this is a type and you would like go through each of those definitions right right i, um, I think i think that the big mm -hmm takeaway for me from this is like when working with these rich objects since you don't know how the the underlying framework be it remix next 
or React is going to serialize your data. If you're in a situation where like there is serialization happening and you're confused by it, at that point you just take on full ownership of serialization. So we would yeah. come up with some rich data structure to represent our URL search params, be it in an array of tuples or just like a key value object. And that would be the, the type that our component now takes. Uh, right, right, exactly. If, if, if you run in a situation like that, maybe you would um, write a little like serialized function that takes in a Prisma thing, even if it calls .2json on it, and then that's what you pass through to the client component. And um, maybe you'd be able to skip that if you just did something like um, type, if there's like a, in the same way there's like an awaited helper in TypeScript, maybe there's like a JSON stringified helper or you could write that. And then you could basically do the same thing on your client component and say, just to derive the type from the Prisma query, right? Yeah, a stringified version of this query. That's actually what this component is getting, and now your types are accurate. Yeah, I think I would think, wait till I think it's a I think I think it would wait till it's a problem. But yes, um, yes, I think they'll be addressing this. I think there'll eventually be something like a serialized from, or again, maybe even just uh, the error message if it had come up there. Yeah. Then maybe we would have just said, oh, we can't pass this instance. Let's just dot to string it. And now we know we're working with a string and that can be parsed into a new object on the client. And there you go. You've just turned it into a primitive. Exactly. That's usually, I mean, in all of our apps, like we actually only end up passing primitives anyways. Um, it's just, again, is it happening automatically um, or, or do you have to do it yourself? So, Yeah, ab absolutely. And the, the to string it is a form of serialization that we yes. take ownership of. It doesn't yes. have to be yes. like a, a whole function or yeah, a util advanced. or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Just, but it's the idea that you're taking serialization on. That's yes. like the key point. Yep. That's the takeaway for sure. So yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. But I think it was helpful, at least for me also, having just talked about how the, the client payload ends up serialized across. So do the arguments. So all of that is being serialized and the holes in that payload can reference arguments as well, which means they need to be serialized. And um, yeah, that's the way to do it. I think there's gonna be, I think there'll be more stuff added here because it felt like we were kind of on our own. And again, it could have just been a bug in the version because I think Sophie from the React team was sending me a version that passed in URL search params and triggered an error on the code sandbox. And I was like, oh, this would have been perfect. Like this would have saved us a lot of time and understanding. Um, and it just wasn't working in our version for whatever reason. So um, anyways, if you run into that, that's what's going on. And um, hopefully you have better understanding of that now. So cool. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. That's like, that was a good wrap up to the previous episode, I think. I think, I think I know I understand React Server components a lot better now at the technical level, which can help with the the actual application building too. You know, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, we really loved hearing a lot of the comments on YouTube and Twitter. So if you uh, have anything you questions for us, anything you want us to talk about, let us know there. Front end first FM on Twitter, and we have our YouTube channel. All those links are in the description. We'll make sure to link to last last week's episode too and then we had one more i think three episodes ago that where we kind of started the conversation about server components that led to last week's episode so maybe we'll put that in there as well um 
Otherwise, you have, um, you're have you about to wrap up a React Server Components course on Build UI. We just released a new video by the time this is out. It'll be up. Um, that's lesson five. And I think there's probably going to be one more before we wrap that course up on Build UI. And that's going to be fun because that means we're going to get to start a new course. So Yeah. Uh, if any of that interests you, check out uh, Build UI. Otherwise, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. See ya. Bye. Thank you.